Research conducted by the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations found that in Africa, nearly 50% of agricultural labor is undertaken by women. This is true in Tanzania and women's land rights and land rights issues impacting vulnerable communities in the country have taken the spotlight in recent years for good reason. This is not or shouldn't be unfamiliar territory. In South Africa, land ownership has been and continues to be a systems justice issue, and it's important to dig a little bit deeper to really understand the economic impact of land ownership or lack thereof. Welcome, I'm Tombini Marangani, host of Season 3 of the Just for Change podcast. If you've been following this series, you'll know that I have conversations with changemakers from South Africa and further afield. According to an article published by the World Bank in 2019, secure property rights and efficient land registration institutions are a cornerstone of any modern economy. The article lists a number of reasons why land ownership and property rights are so essential to building stable economies, from the development of the private sector and job creation, to securing indigenous people's rights, to protecting the environment and agriculture. In 1999, Tanzania changed its laws around land ownership so that women could own land, but there were still easy loopholes in the law to do with marriage and inheriting land that continued to create huge inequality in land ownership. It was only in 2014 that a new constitution in Tanzania made provisions for equal land rights for women. To put things into a bit more perspective, just over 90% of active women in Tanzania are involved in agriculture and produce about 70% of the country's food needs. And yet, few of these women have been able to own the land they work. And just because the law changes, it doesn't mean that things change overnight. It's really only the first step. Justin Sandefur, a senior research fellow at the Center for Global Development, had this to say on the matter. Women, we know from a broad literature that women's land ownership is kind of an important predictor of their agency and some of their welfare outcomes. And we're interested in promoting the idea of women's ownership of land and of their housing. Um, Tanzania has, for several years now, fairly progressive laws about female land ownership and equality within the household about land ownership. Um, but if you go and look at the few land titles that exist, uh, overwhelmingly they list one name and it's a man's name. Um, and if you look at land transactions, if you ask people in survey data who has the right to buy and sell this land, overwhelmingly they're going to tell you, you know, the man does. In a largely patriarchal society, trickle-down impacts of a change in the law is slow, and there are a number of challenges in implementing these changes. One of the biggest challenges in Tanzania is around educating women on their rights so that they can be part of driving the change forward. So, how does change happen? And in the 21st century, how can technology and innovation be utilized to support this change? My guest today is an innovator and activist, Dr. Monica Magoke Mhoja. Dr. Monica has actively been working in advocating for women's and other vulnerable people's lands rights in Tanzania for over 25 years. She founded the Women's Legal Aid Center and is currently the outreach director of Landessa Africa. In 2019, she became a Bertha Fellow and used her Bertha Fellowship Challenge to pilot a new module on an app called Sharia Kiganjan, or Law in Your Palm. 
which aids paralegals and activists in training women on land rights in Tanzania. What are some of the biggest issues facing women in Tanzania with regard to property ownership and equal land rights? In Tanzania, 8% uh, of the population are from the patrilineal societies and 20% are from the um, matrilineal societies. So members of the patrilineal system are often actually concerned with keeping their land within the family. And women are normally expected to be married and move away from their parental base. So with that in mind, uh, the inheritance customer laws actually, they discriminate against uh, um, widows and women. The customer laws, inheritance customer laws in Tanzania is one of the predominant system of intestine succession. And this limits women's inheritance on the basis of their gender. And under this inheritance customer law, a widow is generally denied completely inheritance and her share is to be cared by her children just as she cared for them. And for, the, for daughters, they only inherit a small share with attached restrictions. Actually, uh, under inheritance customer law, which is supposed to be uh, applied by many um, people within the patrilineal societies, it's under degree, three degrees, or some they say levels, that, and the first degree is for the first son, although in some uh, tribes they use that for the last born. But according to the inheritance customer laws, is the first son who gets a, a larger share. And the second degree are all male children who at least get larger share compared to the female children who normally gets a very, very small share. And actually, under the inheritance customer law, daughters are not allowed to inherit family or clan land. Their right is use right, just to use the, the, the land only because they're expected to move away from the, 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 the parental base. So this patrilineal uh, system and the inheritance customer laws, um, one of the major, major biggest issues, which actually are keeping uh, uh, widows, uh, daughters, uh, a second-class citizens. And another problem is poverty. The issue of poverty is, uh, uh, plays a, a big role because normally when uh, uh, a, a husband who passed away, nobody uh, is cares about this family or going there because there's no property, there's no land. But when there's a, the, uh, the disease is well off, that's when you see how issues of gender discrimination applies. Thank you, Dr. Monica. It sounds like there's a real tension between the legal framework around land ownership 
and customary laws and practices. Um, and that's certainly something that we've seen in other African countries, including South Africa, uh, for that matter. How How is the tension between the egalitarian legal framework around access to land and the customary practice around uh, prioritizing patrilineal inheritance? How is that tension understood or discussed by, by women who are seeking to have equal access? So we have some judgments which actually have, have actually specifically stated that this is time now to actually not discriminate women and girls, especially when the government of Tanzania has ratified some of the international conventions. So what happens for widows or women who have access to justice, who can actually maybe uh, uh, have opportunity uh, to see some lawyers, to visit legal clinics, it's easy for them to be supported, helped to go to court. But when I'm talking about the support of, of some of these women, majority of women who live in rural area, they don't have this opportunity. And so when you find some of the uh, uh, media uh, supporting or creating awareness, have some programs to create awareness, they take these good cases, these uh, best practice cases to, to, to air so that other women, other members of the community could understand that although we have this uh, inheritance customer laws, we discriminate against widows and daughters, but still, we can have another way to, to actually help these women. And something else which is also very important uh, to understand for everyone who is listening, we have inheritance customer laws, which almost all people who are African, Tanzanians, are not Muslims, are not Arabs, are not Europeans, they are supposed to apply uh, inheritance customer laws. but we have other uh, uh, laws. We have statutory laws. We have the, the so-called Indian Succession Act of 1865, which was brought to uh, Tanzania during colonization of the bridge system. And that act, although it is old, but it's very um, uh, gender sensitive, what I mean is that the statutory law, the Indian Succession Act, it gives uh, inheritance without discriminating widows or widowers. However, in order for a Tanzanian, an African Tanzanian, to apply the Indian Succession Act, he must actually uh, uh, testify to the court that he abandoned, he abandoned his customs and now he is maybe a secular uh, or uh, a Christian who is no longer following the uh, customary norms. Uh, this has been also a challenge to a number of women who live in rural areas. But 
Now, there is also one of the cases which we normally, when we are presenting uh, through media or when we are interviewed, we, 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 we try to remind people, we try to remind the community that they can use that case, which is called the Mbilini case, where uh, although the, 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 the Mbilini, Mr. Demises, were Christians, but they are also uh, still practicing some of their customal norms, but they said they, they, they were educated, they had their marriage in church, they are, of course, going back to their village, but they, you know, jointly acquired property, and so they are going to use the uh, uh, statute of law, the Indian Succession Act. And what happened when Mbilini is the man, when Mbilini passed away, uh, the relatives of Mbilini from a place called Songea in Tanzania came to Dar es Salaam, where this Mr. and the Mrs. Mbilini were staying. And when they came to Dar es Salaam, they, they were following the inheritance customer law. They said to this uh, widow that you are a woman, you are a widow. Uh, we as male relatives, we are the ones who are supposed to, to administrator of this uh, 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 property. So you are going to be taken care of by your children. And because the children are minors, we are going to be the guardian of these children. And so you'll be taken care of by your children uh, as they, you, you, you actually cared for them. And this lady was a chaga from Kilimanjaro Moshe. She said, no, I'm going to the high court. And she went to the high court and she won the case. And so this is one of the precedent where people uh, and women and also other widows, we encourage to use this law. Can you talk to us a bit more about the agricultural sector in Tanzania and perhaps highlight the role that women play in this? Agriculture is a principal source of livelihood for the Tanzania population. And in Tanzania, uh, women make up more than half of the workforce in the agricultural sector. And majority of them work on family farms and small plots of land without receiving any payment. I can say that my, we eat, we get food, because of women who work on agriculture, majority of them. And their role, their activities, are including uh, uh, producing agriculture crops, tending animals, processing and preparing food, working for wages in agriculture in some areas within the farms to get money, collecting fuel uh, and water, engaging in trade and marketing, uh, and also caring for family members and maintaining their homes. They do multiple roles. They are the ones actually who are uh, making us breathe, especially women living in rural areas. Actually, agriculture provides more than uh, two-thirds of employment and almost half of Tanzania GDP comes from agriculture. And we normally 
uh, when you are uh, 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 children, even at school, that was a song used to sing that women play an essential role in agricultural production. And so I can say the sector is characterized as female intensive. That means that women compromise really a majority of the labor force. That's incredible, given the importance of the agricultural sector um, in Tanzania, as as you explained, that women are devoting so much labor and all of it being unpaid. You're quoted as saying, quote, without land to build or maintain a home, to farm or to leverage for economic gain, or to inherit from a relative and use as her own, women's security, prosperity, and dignity remains compromised, unquote. Can you talk to me a little bit more about this and why land ownership is so key to prosperity and economic yep. growth? I know must say land is power. Land is dignity. Uh, land is life. Around the world, actually, land is the foundation for security, shelter, and livelihood, and creates pathways to empowerment and economic opportunity. Um, we know that we ourselves, we, 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 we live on land. Our houses are built on land. And that's why it's, it's without, without land, you are poor. Without land, you don't have a status. Without, without land, you don't have, you don't have a destiny. And secure land rights help to guarantee a woman's voice. It helps to guarantee equal personhood in her household, in her community, in her society as a whole. That's why in Tanzania and globally, in um, 2018, we globally um, launched the Stand for Holland campaign to close the gap between law and practice because of the importance of this, of this land. And so when a woman has secure land rights, they are more likely to break the cycle of poverty and to improve their lives. And when these women improve their lives, they don't only improve their own lives, they also improve their, the lives of their children for those who, are, who have children, the, the lives of their families and the whole communities. And this also corresponds to the um, uh, SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals. And that's what we, we actually through the uh, Stand for a Land campaign, we, we connected that. That's very important. When you have land, you are helping this person, this woman, to, to move away from the cycle of poverty. Some researchers have even said that it helps to reduce gender-based violence. And when the, the awareness creation is there for for issues of gender equality. And it also promotes peace within the families. Thank you for sharing your perspective on the tensions that are actually at the heart of the gender equity and land rights issue in Tanzania. 
Can you tell me more about how you've applied social innovation to this problem? Um, you've started with the Sharia Kiganjani or Law in Your Palm app. What was the main driver in creating this app and how did you go about it? Thank you very much. This is an innovative online legal digital platform uh, enables an individual, for instance, a student, a lawyer, or a group of people to access legal information as well as materials, uh, despite their location, wherever they are. So the, con the connection is that when we launched the Stand for a Land campaign, uh, uh, Sharia Kiganjan as an organization was part of the task force because uh, Landesa Tanzania, we are the secretariat of the task force. And we have Tanzania Women Lawyers Association as the chair of the, the, the task force. We are, are more than 25 organizations. Me. As the better fellow, I was supposed to help design something which could help our women on issues of land rights and property rights. So I had some conversation with the Sharia Kiganjan team, and I came up with the idea of uh, a, a segment. So the women. A stand for her land up segment is within the Sharia Kiganjan, the law on your palm, which was already there. But my idea was to come up with a very different up segment, which could be used by the community paralegals in remote areas, especially in rural areas, in areas where there's no uh, lawyers, no advocates, no attorneys who could support these poor people within those, those remote areas. So that's a, in the creativity of this new model of um, app segment, which initially we called it a stand for land app segment. And later on, we changed it to women and land up segment. And um, this, uh, as I've said, provides women living in remote areas with legal advice about their land rights. And during the, my Betha Fellowship year, I, I trained with my colleagues at Landesa, 19 community paralegals, to use this module empowering them to provide legal advice uh, to, to, to women uh, uh, using the, 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 the uh, mobile phones. And the Sharia Kiganja didn't have that kind of segment. And this was my idea and we worked with them because them are, are, are the professional ITs and they have some people who are, expertise on that area and what we agreed together because in rural areas sometimes it's not easy to have internet or strong internet all the time what they they designed a segment which a community paralegals within a village within a remote area even when she or he doesn't have strong internet 
could actually use the, the segment, the app segment to fill in the information. And when there is internet, that information could be transferred to us. That's why uh, it was also very unique uh, because normally uh, the Sharia Kiganjan, they had that uh, a digital platform for people to access when the information are transferred. We can then then see what is the problem, what is the solution, if there is a challenge. And the support of this Sharia Kiganjan team was also a 24 seven uh, uh, online emergence in case of any problem, if the community paralegals, when I'm talking about community paralegals, these are not lawyers. These are uh, uh, village leaders. These are some of the women leaders. These are some of our community development officers who have been trained the ABC of the laws, especially land laws, inheritance laws, and marriage laws. All these laws which are connected to land, land rights issues. And so when a person has a problem, they can give them advice. And this was very actually helpful during the COVID-19 pandemic. This app as a communication tool helped and as an emergence tool to support people within rural areas who would like to access justice for their problems facing in the village, or some of them were not in the village, same urban areas, but they are in a very difficult situation to go to uh, lawyers. They don't have money. The lawyers are expensive, but with this, it could be easy to be helped. That sounds like an amazing innovation. And you mentioned that you were able to, to work on this idea during your Bertha Fellowship year in 2019. What were some of the key learnings that came out of that pilot process? First and foremost, technology is power as well. We can reach, we can support, we can promote women land rights or vulnerable groups through technology, through innovations like this one. And also, we can increase or enhance legal knowledge of women, including on land rights to access own and control land and its properties through champions, community paralegals, people who are not lawyers. There's no enough lawyers, but with these champions, community paralegals, some charismatic leaders, women, who learns the ABC of the laws could be very powerful to support and empower other vulnerable people within the, 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 the communities. Another lesson learned is meaningful participation could be done in a different way, like using the technology. Because through the women and land up segment, something happened which it was uh, one of the things which we didn't expect. We trained this community paralegal. Some of this community paralegal trained, that was 
that was part of the, the plan to train other women, in, especially in rural areas. These women who were trained, they've become leaders in some of the areas. They've become trainers. I visited one of that village and the village leader specifically commended how these women who were trained by community paralegals have actually even started women farmers groups. And these women farmers groups jointly, they've been given land within the village. And through this land, they work together. And now through the products of these farms, we have some very successful stories of young people who've been paid school fees from these groups of farmers. But these groups of farmers, we are from this education and training from the community paralegals. And these women who were desperate, who were discouraged, some of them were going through gender-based violence, actually after being educated and being encouraged to, to, to own land and the village accepted to support these, these women and the women decided to work together and the, the, the world council, you know, the, the, the leadership within those villages gave them some support of money. And now it has become a very successful uh, outcome of women who own land, who own farms, who are becoming trainers within that village. That is amazing. Um, you talk about the way that this access to support really enabled women to change their material circumstances. I can give you a concrete example. For instance, in 2021, uh, there are registered 166 cases. And when I'm talking about 166 cases, if it's, for instance, is a group of women, it will, it will just pick the name of the group but it reached, actually now it has reached more than 2,000 because some of the, them are in, in groups. And so with these 166 cases, 88 cases were of widows who are complaining about uh, a challenge they are facing because their lands are not formalized. The, the, and when I'm talking about land formalization, these are semi-urban, where uh, they have land, but it's like uh, anyone could uh, abuse them and take their land or grab their land because they are widows and especially uh, in-laws. And so we noted that the issue of land formalization was very uh, critical. and. What we did was now to, to, to reach out to these women and actually 50, 50 widows, five zero, 50 widows were helped for their land to be formalized. And uh, they, are, they are supported uh, partly through Betha Foundation and partly through KP grant support that they got uh, their land to be demarcated, 
uh, and they, they paid for their, their fees. And why this happened? Because some of these widows were chased away from their land. Some of these widows not only chased away from their land, they become homeless because the, 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 some of in-laws uh, uh, grabbed their land. And especially during COVID time, there was no legal service. In Tanzania, actually, three months there was lockdown. Thereafter, there was no lockdown. But that three months of lockdown, there are some in-laws who really played very evil game, I can say, because they grabbed the land of these women. Dr. Monica, you speak with such passion about uh, the Stand for Your Land campaign and about the work you've been able to do through the Law in Your Palm app. The work is so important, and I'm sure it's not easy to keep on fighting the fight. What keeps you going, and how do you stay hopeful in this work? I have the passion. I said at the beginning, uh, I started this work because my parents are my role model. They wanted to support people. And I've, I have that zeal and passion to promote and protect women's rights and children's rights generally. And this has also uh, increased during time to add a lot of issues. And of course, land is the uh, basic tool, is the, the, the power of people. Um, I, I have the zeal to ensure that not only women, but men, not only youth, but also older, adult people have used control land. And so that passion and inspiration and zeal on supporting is in me, is in my blood. Secondly, is the organization I'm working, the organization of Landesa uh, Champions uh, to ensure that secure land rights for people globally, actually, people of secure land rights and millions of people have been supported. You know, I was the country director, but now I'm the outreach uh, director Africa. I have a lorry to, to, to ensure that I amplify the work of Landesa to amplify women land rights, to enhance visibility and reach, to tell the stories of change at local, national, to region and global stakeholders. And to me, this is very important. This is something which I'm um, saying, so let's tell each other stories to change the world, to change Africa, to change the global, to change individuals, to change their mindset. At Landesa, within two years, we've been working in a district called Mfindi. And in this district, we are working with an organization called Pelam and the district council of Mfindi to create awareness. We at Landesa, we have worked in, in four villages, but our colleagues Pelham have worked in more villages. But working in these villages, creating awareness, 
uh, on issue of gender equality and social inclusion. Now we are integrating issues of climate change because we have realized that uh, it, it has a big impact to, 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 to these uh, uh, women. And continuing with this Stand for a Land campaign, although the inheritance customer laws have not changed up to now, but the changes within the society, in some communities, we are seeing the changes. We are, we are celebrating widows to get land. We are celebrating daughters to get land. We are celebrating men to accept that they can register land with their wives. That is keeping us going. That is keeping me going. And I see the change with my own eyes. I started this fight. I started this awareness creation when I was a young girl for more than three decades. And I'm seeing some of the fruits of, of men who are sensitized, who are taking care of their, of, of, of their in-laws, who are good men administrators of estates. We have these stories, good stories, not only these four villages where Landesa we have been working, but in some places in Tanzania also. Thank you, Dr. Monica, for sharing your story with us. I'm deeply impacted by the work you're doing. It's very powerful and it's clear that you have an enormous passion and commitment um, to do this very important work. And it, as a result, has had an enormous influence on the lives and livelihoods of many. I'm struck by your earlier comment that you made that you said, when you're poor, Without land, you're not a person. And I'm so moved um, and inspired by the energy with which you have devoted yourself to restoring the personhood of rural women and giving them the opportunity to fully take part in society. Thank you so much for your time today. In these conversations with change makers and innovators, I'm always struck by how they see a problem, come up with a solution, and then dedicate their lives to seeing the change happen. Women's property rights are an age-old issue. Yet people like Monica are finding new ways to tackle this intractable problem. Using things like technology and empowering people on the ground, building community trust and relationships make a critical difference and bring about shifts in some of the deepest systemic inequalities in the world. Her example is both powerful and empowering. And that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you for tuning in to season three of the Just for a Change podcast, powered by the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship. If you're interested in hearing more conversations with changemakers, then make sure you subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. If you've enjoyed this content, I'd also like to invite you to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. Let's stay inspired and keep changing the way we're changing the world.